outline. All right, how many of y'all didn't remember to bring your outline back? I knew it. No. See. All right, look here. Here, keep that outline in your in your Bible. We'll we'll pick that up next week. All right. Uh, we have an awesome awesome opportunity tonight. How, how many of y'all are glad it's it's hot now? All right, how many of y'all glad for you want the winter to come back? Y'all just ain't never satisfied, are you? All right, all right, all right. Here we go, here we go. Uh, we have the opportunity tonight. This is, this is like a really cool deal. I have got some longtime family friends. Matter of fact, it's been friends of our family before I was born. Uh, so, uh, Brother Darrell Weaver has, has seen the best and the worst of your preacher. And, uh, and that is going to uh, remain anonymous and not talk about none of that stuff. Amen? And, uh, but anyway, anyway, uh, Brother Darrell Weaver's with us tonight, and uh, he's an evangelist and travels all over the country uh, preaching and sharing the gospel. And, uh, and Miss Wanda's here somewhere. Miss Wanda, where are you at? Okay, right here in the middle. Miss Wanda's there. How, will y'all help me greet them and welcome them to uh, Coleman, Alabama? <laughs> Amen. All right. I told him we studied the Bible on Wednesday night, and he's all jacked up about that. So that's a great thing. So get your Bibles, get them out, and get your pens and your papers ready to go and take notes. And uh, we're going to pray and, uh, and welcome Brother Darrell here today. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege and the honor it is to be in your house among your people that are hungry to study your word. Lord, they come every single week waiting and wanting to learn and grow and mature and develop. And I pray that you'll help us tonight as we study your word. I pray that you'll touch the preacher with such an unbelievable anointing. I pray that he will be able to teach us and preach in such a way that it is obvious that you showed up tonight. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. All right, Brother Dale. Make sure. <laughs> oh, I think it's working. Amen. We're just powerfully happy to be here tonight. And I've been praying that God will bless the service. And as Brother Malcolm said, we go back a long way. The Statue of Liberty was just a little girl when we first met. <laughs> and, and so glad, hey, I pastored or pastored something like that for 18 years, been on the road 21 years. And uh, my children traveled with us for 10 years, and we were here uh, some years back with all the family. But, you know, kids have a habit of growing up and, and turn into a grandpa. I got 10 of them, amen, 10 grandbabies. But my wife's still with me, amen, 41 years. We got married at the church that you was, you, you, that your daddy, uh, is your dad and mom here yet? Not yet. Uh, he used to preach on being late, you know that, don't you? <laughs> hey, we're going to look in the book of Galatians tonight, and we're going to actually go through the, the book highlighting some things, but we're going to start in chapter 6 to get a, a theme of what I want to talk about tonight. That is Galatians chapter number 6. Anyway, we were in Florida all last week and Jacksonville three nights and then uh, Newport Ritchie for a week. So we drove up here 
came partway on Monday and stayed a couple of nights in Cairo and uh, then drove on up today. It's still pretty good a little ways. A lot of speed demons out there. I had to get over 100 miles an hour to get around some of them jokers. Amen. <laughs> okay, let's read our text. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 14. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Let us pray. Thank you for the word of God. Lord, give us understanding and appreciation. May your word be effectual in our lives. We pray that you'd have the preeminence now. And Lord, just bless every household, every individual. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, Paul made such a, a statement here tonight, such a truth. God forbid, don't let it even start to happen, that I would glory in anything save or accept the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's quite a statement because there are really quite a few things he could glory in if he wanted to. He was one of the most learned men that you could ever, I mean, in all of history. And so he, he was uh, well-educated. He knew languages like, say, 14 languages, and I'm talking about fluently. And uh, while he could glory in how he kept the law, he said, touching the law, he said he was blameless. I don't think we could say that tonight about us, but he did. He said, I'm blameless touching the law. He said, I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Man, there was just a lot of credential that he had, but he said, no, no, God forbid, I'm not going to glory in anything about me. And that's our trouble tonight. Too many of us, we're still glorying in things about ourselves. And the greatest thing you can ever do is stop glorying in you and start glorying in Him and what He did on the cross of Calvary. So what would you possibly be glorying in tonight? Maybe it's talents that you have. Maybe it's good looks. I mean, I can't help it, amen, but still, good looks, uh, uh, maybe it's, you might have you know, loaded with money. I can tell some of y'all, man, you, you loaded, amen. And uh, maybe it's a position that you have, assets, some title that you have. Uh, maybe your intellect level, uh, your reputation, your popularity. What is it that you glory in? Well, let us get this attitude. God, don't let it happen. God forbid that we should glory in anything other than the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So now with that in mind, let's study Galatians and see why he would make such a statement. What, what's so big? What's the big deal about the cross tonight? Well, we're going to start with chapter 1 and uh, see why he would glory in the cross. Chapter 1 and verse number 13. For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him 
among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Drop on down now to verse number uh, 23. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us, now get this phrase, in times past, now, now see the contrast, in times past, now preacheth. Persecuted in times past. Persecuted God's people, God's church in times past, but now preacheth. Wow, what a con- You know what made the difference? The cross. Hey, it, that's why he glories in the cross. It made the difference in him. Let me quickly add to that. His education did not make the difference. You can, you can be a, a dumb sinner or a smart sinner. Your education doesn't change you as far as your nature. His religion did not make a difference. You can go to hell just as quick from a Baptist pew as you can from a bar room. Come on, talk to me now. Brother, lost is lost. Whether it's religious lost or, or hell-bent lost, lost is lost. Now, for instance, now, what would be the most, the most dead, is the way I can put it? A man that drowns in two feet of water or a man that drowns in 20 feet of water? Which one would be the most drowned? It doesn't matter. Dead is dead. Lost is lost. And religion never made the difference. Education, position, none of these things. But Calvary. Calvary, a song written some years ago says the old rugged cross made the difference. I'm about to feel good tonight, amen. Thank God, it made a difference in me. Tell him, Weaver, it made a difference. And let me, come on, talk to him tonight. What about you? Has, can you say, thank God, the cross has made a difference. Hey, hey I'll give you an illustration. You've seen in magazines or whatever, you've seen pictures before of, of a guy that was, you know, a 10-pound weakling on one side, and then the other side showed a guy with muscles almost as big as mine. And uh, y'all seem impressed. <laughs> and, and anyway, they said, this is before and this is after, and it was one pill that made a difference. Just one pill. Well, hey, there's a before and an after in my life, and one pill made the difference. The gospel. Woo! Amen. The gospel made the difference. Hey, I'm so saved, man. I'm just, I'm I'm one of the happiest people I ever met. I mean, I like being saved. When I got saved, when I got saved, it was not long afterwards I got baptized but not in vinegar. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So is there a difference in you? All right, let's go to chapter 2 and see what we can get out of there. Chapter 2, verse number 20, why he glories in the cross. He says, I'm crucified. So obviously we're still talking about the cross. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Brother, I'm going to tell you why he glories on the cross. Because of the power to live the Christian life. 
He said, he said, you know, I'm crucified. That sort of means I'm dead, right? I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I mean, wow, it sounds contradictory, but hey, there's some, this is powerfully, hey, this is the truth right here. He says, I'm dead, but yet I'm alive. Yet not I. Come on, Paul, make your mind up. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Now, you've got to have a big imagination when I preach. Now, this might look like a handkerchief. It might act like a handkerchief. might even have a book. <laughs> We're going to lay it right here. Now, being that it's a, a, it's a glove, okay, it's a glove. Being that it's a glove, it was made in the image and the likeness of my hand, okay? It's got the faculties of a hand, the thumb, the fingers, the palm, and, and that kind of stuff. So, Mr. Glove... I want you to do something. Now, now I play music too, so how about going there and striking a chord on the peanut? <clears throat> Come on! Stubborn. He, he must be a Baptist glove, amen. Uh, okay, well, I'll give you something easier to do then. Uh, go shake hands. I mean, be friendly. Shake hands with somebody. Okay, at least turn a page of my Bible. I mean, nothing, nothing. Can he do anything? No. He's made in the image and likeness. You've been made in the image and likeness of God. But there's nothing in you that you can do. You cannot. Well, man, let's, let's change the scenarios in just a moment. I'm going to do something here. Put the hand inside the glove. Now, what can the glove do? It can do anything that the hand can do. Amen. Yet the glove is not doing it. Yet the life which is in the glove. Okay. Amen. Woohoo! I can do all things. That's Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ, which <clears throat> strengtheneth me. Amen. I'm about to feel good. Oh, brother, the power to live. Somebody says, you know, and, and before I was ever saved, I was afraid that I could not live the Christian life. Guess what? I was right. I was right. And if you think you can't live the Christian life, you're right. You're right. <sighs> Sounds despairing, doesn't it? Well, why are we even here, preacher? Let's go home. Well, I mean, I'm not through yet. I could not, but <clears throat> Christ in you, the hope of glory. And Paul said, it's not I, it's Christ in me. I'm, it's not even my faith. It's the, the life I know, and I live by the faith. It's not my own. I don't conjure up faith. It's by the faith of the Son of God. <laughs> Amen. Thank God. All right, number three. We go to chapter three. Makes a lot of sense. I glory in the cross because of the bondage that it breaks. Chapter three, verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree, which is speaking of the cross. And uh, chapter 4, I'll go to chapter 4 again in a moment, but verse 5, To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Another reference quickly is Colossians 2.14, Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So I'm telling you what, he glories in the cross because the bondage is broken. 
We're not under the law. Now that doesn't mean we live in violation to the law. Let me illustrate. I got my baby doll here tonight. Amen. Shout baby doll. Well, don't worry about it. 41 powerful years. Well, you know, I'm sure, you know, we were married. Uh, your dad and mom were witnesses to it. You was too young to be a witness. Uh, you might have been, you, you was probably in diapers or something. But yeah, yeah, you was in diapers, that's right. And, uh, but still, he was a witness to the wedding. And, and uh, some of my wife's friends back there, uh, Miss Peters. And, and so anyway, we got some witnesses. But you know, I'm sure down at the courthouse and the legal system, there are some laws concerning our marriage on my duties and so forth to her. I got to confess something. I don't know what they are. Ain't that terrible? But she's got some laws to take care of me too, amen. But she doesn't know what they are. We've never read them. We don't, we don't know what they are. But there's a law that supersedes. It's the law of love. I do more than what the courthouse requires. And she sure enough does a whole lot for me. More than what the, the, the law requires. Because we in love. Ain't we baby doll? <laughs> we, we in love. And so when you, when you fall in love with Jesus, it's not so much about the do's and the don'ts. It's a matter of I'm in love with Jesus. Amen. And I want to please him. Amen. Amen. So you're not under the bondage. Serving God is not a bondage thing. Man, it's a love thing. I, I serve him because I love him. And we're not under the law. It breaks the bondage of the law. It breaks the bondage of sin. Guess what? Okay, Romans 6, 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. We're not under the law, but we're not under the dominion of sin anymore. I'm going to make it stronger than that. Scripturally, we're free from sin. You say, no, wait a minute, Weaver, man, I'm having a hard time with that. Well, just, just, just come on now. Now, I've got an aunt that lives in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And uh, she still lives alone, still drives, not when I'm around. <laughs> and, but she was born and raised in Germany. She's of German descent. And, and, all, and so she's got German customs, German history, German ways and an accent like Germans. Guten Tag, amen. I, I learned some stuff. And, uh, but, but, you know, she's got a lot of these German uh, diet and... and and they don't have German, German chocolate cake in Germany, by the way. But anyway, <laughs> but she, she's by birth a German. But she married my uncle, who is deceased now, sometime during or after the war of World War II. And she came to America. She's a citizen here now. I, I, I hate to tell on her, but please, please, she does not pay taxes to the German government. Isn't that terrible? She actually drives on the right side of the road, I hope. I hope. I mean, she obeys our laws, not German laws. Now, she still acts like a German, eats like a German, has ways like a German. By nature, she's a German. But legally, by a transaction, she's an American. Woo! By nature, 
I was born a sinner, but there's been a divine transaction. I'm no longer under the jurisdiction of sin. Amen. I'm free. I'm free. I might look like a sinner. He's like, yeah, well, you got that way, Weaver. I might act like a sinner, and I might have some ways and all that kind of stuff, but, buddy, I'm free from condemnation. <laughs> wow. Okay, let's go to the next point. So, hey, he's got a, man, I'm giving you some pretty good stuff why he glories in the cross and why, hey, it would be good for you and me to do the same thing. Let's go to chapter 4 and see another thing. Chapter 4 and verse number 6. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore? Thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Well, he glories in the cross because of the position it secures. We are in the family, sons and daughters of the Almighty. I've been born again. But you know, we've read it. Okay, speaking of this word Abba, because your son, we've been born, we've been adopted according to Romans 8. And in Romans 8, you see the same thing. We cry, Abba, Father, because of the spirit, we have received the spirit of adoption. I read a book some years back, not that many years ago, on the title was Adopted for Life. And the author, who was born and raised in Mississippi, he and his wife at the time were barren. and uh, So they adopted two Russian children, and then God gave them two natural-born children. But he would tell you in a heartbeat, there's no difference. He said, these are just as much mine as those are. They're just as much my kids. No difference. Can you say amen on that? Well, anyway, in that book, he brought out something. He said, as they went to the adoption ward in Russia, a large adoption ward of infants, he said, if you listened intently enough, you could hear the sound of gentle rocking as babies rocked themselves back and forth in their beds. They did not cry. Strange. Infant babies not crying. He said they did not cry because no one responded to their cries. So they stopped. They knew there would be no response. Oh, brother. <laughs> when Jesus comes into your heart, thank God there's a cry. You know he hears. Abba! Abba, Father! Of course, that word Abba is like our affectionate word, Daddy. And, you know, all through the Old Testament, you study every prayer in the Old Testament. All the patriarchs, the prophets, the psalmist, all the prayers ever prayed, not one ever addressed God as Father. Not one. But you come to the New Testament, the first lesson we have on prayer, Matthew 6, our Father, which art in heaven. <laughs> 
Now, now, if somebody walked in here tonight, and, and at my age, you have to be mighty old now, and maybe we've been friends for a long time, and I said, well, hello, Dad, but he's not my dad. I said, hello, Dad, and he might reply, well, hello, son. You know, we might really have known each other and been close for many years, but still, as I would say, hello, Dad, there'd be a red flag. He's not your dad. And, and the same for him. He's not your son. But if my dad, my actual dad, of course, he's gone, dead and gone. But if he were still alive walking here, there would be no red flag. Hello, Daddy! And now, tonight, can you say, Father, with no red flag? Can you call him? Is there an Abba in your life? Thank God. I have a wonderful relationship with the Lord. The position, I'm a child of the king. All right, number five. Now this takes a little bit of a curve on number five. Chapter five. I glory in the cross, number five. And verse number uh, 11. Yeah, verse 11. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision... Why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. I glory because of the offense. Why would you glory because of the offense of the cross? Well, let me uh, start off by saying the cross is offensive to self-righteousness. The cross is offensive to the best you can do. You say, I'm doing the best I can to go to heaven. It'll never get you there. It'll never get you there. The cross is offensive to man-made religion. You can have a truckload of religion and never go to heaven. Brother, it's offensive. And there's a real offense in this present day. I don't know why the atheists and all that clan gets upset about the cross. Let, let me illustrate. You know... I hope, I'm glad you kids are not in here for this. I know, I mean, I don't believe in Santa Claus. I hope that doesn't bother you. I hope you're not going to have a heart attack. I don't believe, I mean, I was 25 years old and I found out there's no Santa Claus. No, not really. No, not really. I don't believe in Santa Claus. But you know what? When they have Santa Clauses around Christmas time, people, act, you know, act like Santa Claus and some of y'all look like, never mind. But, uh, you know, they got the pictures and everything. <laughs> Does that upset me? Do I go to court? I'm going to sue them. I don't believe in Santa Claus. It offends me. If I don't believe in Santa Claus, I mean, have at it. It's not hurting me any. If you want to be dumb, be dumb. <laughs> and, if the, and if the atheist really didn't believe in the cross, why does it bother them? If we want to be dumb, let us be dumb. <laughs> Amen. And so, um, let me see now, 728. How long do you say we go? About a quarter till? <laughs> oh, man. I meant to ask you that before. I think you told me about an hour last time, but, but anyway, I don't have an hour left. If that encourages you any. <laughs> I, can, I can pull out another outline. <laughs> okay. Uh, because of the offense, uh, I got a little bit of stuff of interest here. Let me see. Okay, it offends, it condemns our righteousness, and it shows you our need of salvation. Nothing in my hand I bring simply to 
thy cross I cling. It's a beautiful, wonderful day when you take your self-righteousness to the junkyard and you receive the righteousness which is of Jesus Christ, His righteousness. It's a gift. Salvation is never earned. None of y'all, nobody in this church deserves to go to heaven, including the preacher, because I know him, amen. <laughs> but he knows me too. He said, you don't deserve it either. But, but, but he, he, he has no problem with that. He knows it. I know it. We, we, we're not going by deserving. We're going by grace. I'm not trying to be a Christian. Does that bother you? I'm not trying to be a Christian. I've been born one. And I have to try real hard to be anything else. Let's say uh, a Williamses. There might be some Williamses in here. I don't know. But I could try to look like one, act like one, eat like one, talk like one, walk like one. I have art. But anyway, no matter how hard I try, I cannot be a Williams. There's one of three ways you could become a Williams. You could be born one. Stands to reason. Number two, you can marry one. If you're a girl marrying a boy, that is. Well, that's the only way we believe, okay? <laughs> Just get the political stuff out of the way. <laughs> or you can be adopted. But you know what? For a child of God, we've been born again. We've been adopted into the family of God. And we're married, according to Romans 7, we're married to Jesus Christ. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Anyway, um, some stuff here about the atheists and the cross. One article says, and it's a few years uh, that this happened. For nearly 60 years, this 29-foot cross has stood to the centerpiece of Mount Soledad Veterans Memorial in San Diego. And it goes on to describe it some more. But after 24 years of litigation, California's ninth wicked circuit... I added that part. Uh, California's Ninth Circuit Court recently ruled the famous Mount Soledad Veterans Memorial Cross violates the U.S. Constitution and ordered the cross to be torn down. Well, there was an update, a good update following that. Um, update. Victory. U.S. government conveys memorial and surrounding land to Liberty Institute Client Mount Soledad Memorial Association ending this 25-year legal battle. So now Liberty Institute owns the property that was government property, so the cross still stands. But thank God the cross still stands. Amen. The cross. At the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. And so uh, I come to my last point tonight. In chapter 6, as we read earlier, God forbid that I should glory in the saving the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Well, I glory in the cross because of the marks of the cross. You know, there's no scars in the hands of Jesus. Now, now don't, don't leave me now. Don't leave me. He said, I've always heard there are scars where there are no scars. There are wounds. Scars have been mended over, but the wounds are still open. And you read in uh, 
Zechariah 13 about the, the wounds. And it's, they'll, they'll see the, the wounds, the piercings. <clears throat> and uh, if you ever had the work of the cross in your life, there'll be some obvious effects. And in our case, spiritual effects. And I will go through those tonight for just a moment. First of all, Calvary is the greatest demonstration of love that there ever was. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Thank God the greatest demonstration of love. If you've ever had the effects of the cross, if you've ever been to Calvary, you will have the love of God shed abroad in your life, in your heart. You're no longer intoxicated with hate. You no longer have a hateful attitude and disposition and spirit. You're no longer hard to get along with. Now, we all have our times. I realize that. But, brother, you will have the love of God demonstrated in your life. And if you ever do get some, you know, negative tendencies, you'll get over them. And you get back to the cross. Jesus, keep me near the cross. You have a love of God. Number two, Mark, is forgiveness. Forgiveness. The most like Jesus Christ you will ever be is when you are exercising the grace of forgiving. How do you forgive somebody? On purpose. A deliberate act of the will. You say, I can't forgive. You're lying. You're lying. God will never tell you to do something you cannot do. He says, forgive and it shall be forgiven you. And if you don't forgive, I will forgive you. You can forgive because God will enable you to. The reason you don't forgive, you do not want to forgive. You made up your mind, I'm not going to get over this. I'm going to harbor this grudge the rest of my life and it'll kill you. Unforgiveness is like the acid that eats out the very container that it's stored in. There, it's impossible for you to have any joy in your life and harbor unforgiveness. It's impossible for you to have the victory of Jesus Christ in your life. It's impossible for you to effectively serve God and harbor unforgiveness. Jesus, keep me near the cross. Hey, by the way, you say, they don't deserve. They don't deserve forgiveness. Guess what? <laughs> Neither did you. Neither did you or me. We don't deserve it. Nobody deserves. You don't. I'll give you a quick verse. Ephesians 4. Here we go. I was going the wrong way. Ephesians 4. I'll tell you about this thing of forgiveness. It's tremendous. In um, verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Now, I'm going to tell you why God forgave you. Not because you deserved it. Not because he saw some potential good in you. No. Not even because he wanted to. And I don't mean that 
But it tells you plain right here why God forgave you for Christ's sake. I'm sure he wanted to, but I'm saying here is the reason in the Bible why God forgave you. One reason, for Christ's sake. Why do you forgive somebody else? Because they deserve it? No. Because you want to? No. Because you might see good? No. For Christ's sake. For Christ. God forgave you for Christ's sake. You forgive others for Christ's sake. So that's the mark of the cross. Number three is submission. Submission. You're no longer a rebel. You're no longer hard-headed and stubborn and insubordinate. You're submissive to the authority God places in your life. And we all have authority over us. Amen. And, and you'll, never, you'll never be used of God till you learn to submit to the authority God places in your life. And did Jesus have to submit? In one way, yeah. And in one way, no. I mean, He was God in the flesh. Does a light have to shine? Well, yes, in one way, no, in another way. But if it doesn't, then it's not light. So Jesus willingly submitted himself. And if you've ever been to the cross of Calvary, you will have the spirit of submission, no longer a rebel. And then humility is a mark of the cross, no longer arrogant, cocky, proud, high-minded, and such as that humility, humility. And then the next thing is peace. No longer a brawler. No longer going around looking for a fight in terms of argument or worse. Amen. And then the last mark is faithfulness. Christ was faithful. Philippians 2 says he was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. One song of years back said he could have called 10,000 angels. Why, he could have just come down without any angels. But he was submissive and he was faithful all the way, even to the death of the cross. That's the mark. That's the reason we should glory in the cross. Well, I'm going to pray and pastor will come and order remaining time. You're wonderful, Lord. You're wonderful. We love you tonight because you first loved us and shed abroad your love in our hearts. Oh, Lord, bless this great people tonight. I pray that you'd bless Brother Malcolm as he comes and orders the time remaining. And, Lord, may the beauty of God just be manifest. May heaven's sweetness fragrance this house tonight and for your will to be done. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God praise and glory. Amen. Man, that's great. Did you enjoy that? Say amen. Man, that was wonderful. I love, I love listening to somebody preach who believes what they're saying. Let's all stand. Everyone stand our feet. Everyone stand our feet. Uh, we have any